Timing is everything in comedy and in law review articles. Just ask Harvard Law Professor Elizabeth Bartholet, who by publishing the latter unwillingly engaged in the former. In the middle of April of 2020, the whole world was considering homeschooling as public schools began closing due to COVID. Just then, Harvard Magazine profiled Professor Barthless' new released, newly released 80-page law review article entitled Homeschooling, Parental Rights Absolutism versus Child's Rights to Education and Protection. And in it, she recommended banning homeschooling in all but a tiny set of special cases. Talk about bad timing. We at HSLDA knew about the Law Review article months before the magazine profile because it had been released many months earlier in draft form, long before the world coronavirus had made its way into our daily vocabulary. We even planned to write a counter Law Review article. When Professor Barthlett and others announced in February of 2020 that they would be holding an invitation-only homeschooling summit at Harvard called The Risk of Homeschooling, her speaker bio referred to the Law Review article. We informed our members and friends about the summit and what became one of most, our most shared pre-pandemic Facebook posts. But even then, the Law Review article itself did not make much of a public splash. Law Review articles of this sort have popped up for decades, and they rarely get much attention outside of a small cadre of academics and activists. Ask yourself, how many other Law Review articles have you ever heard of, much less cared about? Well, I, I learned about the Harvard Magazine article as I was headed to bed, again, Jim, fa that fateful Saturday night in the middle of April. As I reached the top of my stairs, my 17-year-old daughter, Abby, thrust her phone in my face and indignantly said something like, can you even believe this? Her indignation escalated as she scrolled down the article, quoting such gems as, Bartholet noted that some of these parents are extreme religious ideologues who question science and promote female subservience and white supremacy. Religious we Masons may be, but Taliban were not. Now, thanks to the internet's accelerant properties, the Harvard Magazine article spread like wildfire. In keeping with its unfortunate timing, one might say it went viral. Just about everybody who cared about homeschooling reacted to the magazine article most negatively. And because of the magazine, the underlying law review article itself suddenly came under immediate scholarly scrutiny. One prominent group of social scientists who study education and homeschooling wrote the following just days later. We expected it to be rigorous and fact-based, but were sadly disappointed. Upon reviewing Professor Barthlett's article, we conclude that it suffers from contradictions, factual errors, statements of stereotyping, and a failure to seriously consider that the alternatives to homeschooling, public schooling, shares the problems that she attributes to home education. Dozens of homeschooled Harvard University and Harvard Law students, past and present, also wrote to protest the article's sloppy portrayal of them and against its shoddy reasoning in support of a ban. According to my fancy worded uh, search, my first fancy word search tool, Professor Barthlett mentioned Homeschool Legal Defense Association 113 times in her 80-page article. And she made a pretty good case that HSLDA is an especially effective advocacy organization. To be fair, she casts our effectiveness in darker terms than we would. In her portrayal of HSLDA, excuse me, if her portrayal of HSLDA had been a political ad, we would appear in grainy black and white 
uh, photos. As an ominous bad guy music plays, the senator voiceover would say, HSLDA, brutal, extremely aggressive, and extraordinarily powerful, unreasonable, religious ideologues. Bartholet describes one of the most insidious advocate tactics that she attributes to our allied state homeschooling organizations, who are the backbones of homeschooling freedom and have frequently gone by various names. But my favorite is Apple Pie Day. On those days, homeschool families across the state gather on the steps of the state house. There, the state organizations hold an old-fashioned rally, offering feature, featuring bad guy HSLDA lawyers as keynote speakers. More and more state legislators who were homeschooled themselves make enthusiastic appearances, thrilling the crowd. After the hoopla is over, the families, children in tow, visit their representative's office to chat and deliver a piece of homemade apple pie. The dangerous fiends. <laughs> we at HSLDA responded to Pro Professor Bartlett with a series of essays, many of which were written by our attorneys who were homeschooled themselves. Not because of Professor Bartlett's jaundiced view of our organization, but because we love homeschooling. We've devoted our professional lives to advancing the cause of homeschooling freedom because our belief, our worldview, if you will, leads us to conclude that a system where parents have wide latitude in raising their children, while not perfect, is far better for many children than a system where raising the children is highly regulated, restricted, and in some cases, dictated by the state. In pursuit of that goal, HSLDA has unapologetically used every legitimate tool of public advocacy, including moms and apple pie, to roll back the barriers to homeschooling. As homeschoolers ourselves, we have stood with other homeschoolers for homeschool freedom in the courts, in the state house, and in the media. We've done so because we believe that homeschool freedom is, just, is a just cause, a civic virtue, and is good for kids. Our disagreement with Professor Bartlett is probably best described as a clash of worldviews. We at HSLDA do what we do because we sincerely believe that raising, nurturing, and educating children is best left to loving parents. We also believe that the best interests of children are furthered when the state respects a diversity of approaches to child rearing and education, while recognizing that parents sometimes fail in ways that require state intervention. Beginning with the title of her article, Professor Bartlett describes our view as parents' rights absolutism. That, of course, is a straw man. Our view of the correct relationship of the state to the family is that parents have fundamental rights, not absolute rights. A fundamental right knows that, means rather that the state should only intervene for compelling reasons and then only in limited fashions. This legal distinction between absolute and fundamental rights is not complicated. Even Harvard law professors could figure it out. In her law review article, Professor Bartlett juxtaposes those of us as she incorrectly paints as being parental rights absolutists with her argument that the courts should start recognizing that children have a fundamental right to public education. By this, she means public education compelled by the state, even if the child's otherwise fit parents prefer homeschooling. That view turns the traditional relationship between the state, the parents, and the children upside down. According to Professor Bartlett's worldview, the state has a prior and superior interest above that of parents in, in the raising of children, which authorizes the state to compel parents to behave in certain ways against their wishes in the name of children's rights. This is especially true, she argues, though compulsory public education and an ever-expanding, ever-more intrusive child protective, a, a, pr protective apparatus. 
Her ideological companion and summit co-organizer, law professor James Dwyer, has said, quote, the reason the parent-child relationships exist is because the state confers legal parenthood. And here I thought my wife and I played an important role in birthing seven parental parent-child relationships. That's Jim. My wife and I only had 10. Um, <laughs> Professor Bartlett would prefer for the state to step in to make major educational decisions for children, decisions she happens to agree with, and for parents to be compelled out of their traditional role. Professor Bartlett and Dwyer think it's, this is no big deal. Here's what they say. Parents would retain enormous control over children, even if children were required to attend regular public school throughout the period of compulsory education. Parents could still raise these children at home with total control over their lives from infancy until kindergarten. They could still dominate the lives of children enrolled in full-time full in school with total control during a huge proportion of their waking hours. Dwyer and Peters note that mandatory school time would take up less than one-fourth of a child's waking hours in a year, assuming that the school took up seven hours a day. The unstated assumption animating such ideas is that homeschooling parents cannot be trusted to raise their children to grow up to be self-sufficient, curious, engaged citizens. Mandating these seven hours per day is to ensure that these children are exposed to ideas different from their parents. Now, I'm going to go out of roll for a second and say what they really want is they want them to believe ideas different than their parent and to control them. Yeah. Here's what pr Professor Bartlett claims. A very large proportion of homeschooling parents are ideologically committed to isolating their children from the majority culture and indoctrinating them in views and values that are in serious conflict with the culture. Based on this assumption about homeschooling parents, she builds the total control straw man in the apparent belief that compelled seven hours per day is not a form of domination. As a homeschooling parent of seven children myself, I can honestly say I've never had total control, even if I had wanted it, which I didn't. Faith, reason, and hardcore, hard, cold experience taught me early on that my children were autonomous beings with minds of their own. I came in to see it as my job to prepare them for their life to come, both temporal and eternal, not to live it for them. Based on my personal experience with the homeschooling community for almost 30 years, my wife and I are not unusual in this regard. After being a homeschool advocate for over 20 years, that observation has not changed. It's ironic that in the name of exposing children to different views, Professor Bartlett has worked so hard to stamp out a tiny group of nonconformists especially when compelling social science research strongly suggests that those college students with more exposure to homeschooling relative to public schooling tend to be more politically tolerant. The author of this study, Albert Chang of the University of Arkansas, also wrote, and I quote, two theories for why homeschooling may cause an increase in political tolerance were suggested earlier. First, students who are homeschooled may attain a greater degree of self-actualization because homeschooling is highly conducive to personalized instruction and enables students to be taught a consistent worldview. Second, the religious values taught in a homeschooling environment, as well as in many religious private schools are consistent with political tolerance and other values necessary for a liberal democracy. Professor Barthless does not cite Professor Chang's study in her law review article. Make no mistake, the stated goal of Professor Barthless in her law review article is not to nibble around the edges to adopt so-called reasonable regulations. Given her druthers, not based on empirical evidence, but on what is clearly a competing worldview, 
homeschooling as we know it today would be outlaw. Professor Bartlett should be commended so for forthrighting stating her preferred policy goal of banning homeschooling, notwithstanding her feeble attempt to walk it back in the face of intense criticism. For almost 40 years, motivated by a traditional worldview, which is in turn animated by our understanding of a Christian teaching, HSLDA has worked to remove legal barriers to allow all parents the freedom to make responsible choices for their children. And we don't ask you to share our worldview or its religious underpinnings to receive our help. If you're a parent of a child, we want you to enjoy the same liberty we want for ourselves, for the sake of your children. Agree or disagree, we put our money where our mouth is. All of our attorneys who have homeschooled, have, who have children, have homeschooled them. And five of our attorneys, which is now over half, were homeschooled themselves growing up. Professor Barthlis, on the other hand, would compel all parents to send their children to the public schools, even though she has since admitted in the Harvard Magazine article of having her, sent her own children to private school. We assume that the private school she chose for her children was to her liking and was not forced on her by those with a competing worldview. In Land of Hope, historian Wilfred M. McClay begins the chapter about events leading up to the Civil War with this reminder. We look back to a moment in the past, it's not hard to read into it, nearly everything that we know that is to come after it. We can't help but see it as something carrying along, carrying along with itself a future that we already know about, an awareness that gives us perspective very different from that that the participants had in that moment. Now, looking back at the birth of the modern homeschooling movement, it is easy to forget what may seem inevitable was in hindsight far from certain back then. In the 1980s, prosecutors in Texas, Iowa, North Dakota, Michigan, and other states charged parents with the crimes for homeschooling without a license, a state teaching license, that is. By the way, just to give context, I, Mike Ferris, founded HSLDA in 1983. It gives you some, some background problem. And across the country, parents faced considerable peril when they navigated the kind of bureaucratic regime that Professor Barthless would have us return to. The peril was real, the outcome was uncertain, yet early homeschoolers endured. HSLDA participated in state Supreme Court cases in which, in each of the states mentioned above, and we worked hard with state and local allies across the country to help parents roll back the anti, old anti-homeschooling regime. The fact that homeschooling today is unquestionably legal, mainstream, and widely accessible was never a fore, foregone conclusion. But homeschooling today is unquestionably legal, mainstream, and widely accessible. And because the public schools are in unexpected disarray due to COVID, homeschooling provides millions of families with real choices to address the education of their children. Homeschooling is not just a legal question about education. An important quality of homeschooling involves its place as one of the most dynamic social movements in modern American history. While Mark Zuckerberg may have created a virtual social network, homeschoolers have formed a vast array of actual social networks, yes, often complemented by Facebook, based on religion, sports, Latin instruction, debate, drama, spelling, ages of children, needs of parents, self-directed learning, and a host of other reasons people to choo choose to voluntarily associate with each other. And this vast array of lawful, innovative, voluntary associations is strong, vibrant, and active in seeking to meet the needs of struggling families during the current crisis. And so we at HSLDA shifted our focus, but not our vigilant attention, away from the anti-homeschooling naysayers like Professor B. 
Families today do not need a bunch of grumpy old sneeps sucking on lemons to stop the band from playing. By the way, Jim tells us that's a Robert McCloskey reference from his children's book, Lentil. Parents new to homeschooling get needed help, need help rather, getting started and help enduring. They need solutions, not barriers. They need mentors like experienced homeschool moms and dads. They need co-ops and pods and micro-schools. They need all the good things we've built together over these last 40 years. And we at HSLDA aim to do everything in our power to help. As I reflect on the last year and a half since Professor Barthlett's article created such a stir and look ahead to the coming years, one thought keeps percolating to the top. Homeschooling freedom exists for such a time as this. Now, I'm a homeschool freedom attorney, so it shouldn't surprise you that I see the coronavirus pandemic through this lens. And I know that many of you, too, are committed to homeschooling freedom and to parental rights more generally. 50 years ago, if you'd ask education officials of all 50 states whether it was legal for parents without teacher certification to educate their own children at home, the near unanimous course would have been, don't be ridiculous, no. Today, the answer would be resounding, unanimous, don't be ridiculous. Of course, homeschooling is legal. Homeschooling progress from a perceived fringe to a mainstream option has been one of the most dramatic wins of my lifetime. HSLDA founder Mike Ferris calls it a generational win. Getting from there to here was never a foregone conclusion. Parents in the 1960s, 70s, and 80s and I would add 90s, risk legal peril and social stigma to do what homeschoolers take for granted today. Yet homeschoolers steadily grew, and most moms and dads like you and me took the plunge. And as the movement re removed more and more legal, social, and practical barriers, together we created a dizzying array of networks, co-ops, and state and local organizations, the rich mosaic we know as homeschooling today. Entrepreneurs created homeschool curriculum and tools. Technology created amazing new opportunities for connecting and learning, scarcely imagined at the dawn of the movement. And the number of children being homeschooled grew slowly but steadily for decades. Then the world shut down and homeschooling exploded. All the decades of preparation, unwitting though it may have been, created a new dynamic. We in the movement have fervently hoped it would grow more quickly, but never anticipated what just happened. By some estimates, the number of ch children being homeschooled has doubled, maybe even tripled since the spring of 2020. And by this, he means people who actually have taken control of their children, not just do doing public school at home in front of a computer, actual homeschoolers. Many parents who were forced by circumstances to see their public school experience through a Zoom window discovered at least two things. One, they didn't like what they saw, and two, having their children at home was actually fun and good for their family. A September 16, 2021 news report from Loudoun County, Virginia, where our office is located and which has become the focus of national attention for a host of education-related reasons, none of which are good, provides a fitting example. The local school officials expected 88,000 students to enroll in the fall of 2021, but only 81,000 enrolled. Now, those 7,000 students didn't disappear into thin air. They chose other options. According to the local paper, school officials cited a lack of virtual learning options, continuing COVID safety concerns, and the high-profile battles over equity and other social issues. At 17,000 per pupil, that's a loss of $119 million out of a $1.4 billion budget. 
a sudden unexpected 8.5% budget hit will not go unnoticed. But the same article quotes a local social worker who noticed that her phones were quieter and fewer parents were calling for her services for their high school aged children. Here's what she had to say, quote, for some kids whose anxiety was high, is actually a, a help to be at home. Being home allowed them to have a calmer, less anxiety-provoking situation. According to her, families who would not consider homeschooling prior to the pandemic because of COVID, they saw how their child did and that they actually still could learn quite well. They are now moving to homeschool because for their child, it was actually better. For them, it was a godsend. And this discovery was not confined to public schools only. A young father I know exemplifies the significance of what is now happening. Before the pandemic, he and his wife had considered homeschooling, but decided to send their children to a private Christian school, a school they liked and had no issues with. When that school closed to in-person learning and homeschooling became the family's only option, they experienced the joy of teaching their own kids. As many of you know, there's no substitute for being the one to see a, ch a child's eyes light up with discovery. And homeschooling makes that particularly rich, fulfilling relationships between parents and children and among siblings. This dad told me they have continued homeschooling because of their firsthand experience of these and other benefits. Stories like this are one of the main reasons I think that many families who started homeschooling because of COVID-19 will continue out of joy. But COVID-19 is not the only factor in the current shakeup of educational norms. Public schools are becoming more engaged in ideological indoctrination that many parents cannot go along with. On issues ranging from sexuality to race to whether our American stories should be celebrated, warts and all, or should be a source of shame, the public schools appear bent on taking sides based on diktats rather than on high, excuse me, diktats from on high rather than grassroots demand. In response, parents all over the country are speaking up to school boards and education departments, taking a stand for the traditional role of schools against an imposed orthodoxy, which they disagree. In response to this renewed civic vigor, the United States Justice Department is launching an investigation into whether these parents should be treated as domestic terrorists under the Patriot Act. Not something I'd ever say, but it's true. Whether these newly involved public school parents prevail remains to be seen. But when COVID-19 broke the public school monopoly on education, millions of moms and dads learned that homeschooling is a real viable choice. Whether the challenge to their children's education comes from, from COVID-19 or from public schools refusing to answer to parents, homeschooling is a choice that works, is available to almost any family, and is one that helps children thrive. And today, everybody knows it. Which brings me to a, a vital question for the future. The future of education, yes, but perhaps the future of liberty, more generally conceived. Is it possible that homeschooling has reached a tipping point? Merriam-Webster defines tipping point as the critical point in a situation, process, or system beyond which a significant and often unstoppable effect or change takes place. The pandemic has been an unbelie unbelievably difficult challenge, but out of something devastating, something very good is sweeping across the country. Right now, we have a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to triple or perhaps quadruple the size of the homeschooling movement. What if together we can help expand homeschooling to even more families, enough to reach the tipping point, enough to cause an unstoppable change, enough to permanently shift education of children from so-called experts back to families in organically grown local communities? What 
would such a tectonic shift do to preserve and promote liberty for future generations? A large-scale educational shift such as this would allow even more parents to provide what they know is best for their unique children in a safe learning environment. For many Christians, this means having the opportunity to raise their children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, which in turn could bring revival to our land. Together, we can grasp key opportunities to make homeschooling possible for more and more families and be alert to the challenges that would, could well come our way, or more likely, when the empire strikes back. Together, we can make homeschooling possible for many more parents. Here's what HSLDA has been doing to inspire and equip parents interested in trying homeschooling since the early days of COVID-19 closures to grow the homeschooling movement. We've hosted almost 50 How to Homeschool webinars, answering parents' most asked questions and turning those into a library of on-demand recordings. We've worked with the Vela Education Fund to provide hundreds of thousands of dollars in grants to homeschooling groups to assist them in launching innovative approaches to homeschooling, especially to serve the new homeschoolers. We've provided over 1,000 low-income families the ability to afford curriculum and other resources through our Compassion Grants. We've created easy-to-use tools to connect new homeschoolers to their state and local homeschool organizations, group that play, groups that play an irreplaceable role in keeping homeschooling free by monitoring legislation and by forming supportive communities for families. We've produced a winsome video called Make the World Your Classroom to inspire parents looking for a public school alternative and to direct them to important resources for newcomers to help grow the movement. Throughout this time, HSLDA's core mission has remained the same, to provide quality legal assistance to homeschool families, keeping homeschool free for all of us. We've continu we continue to field hundreds of calls every day from homeschool families with specific legal questions who are, or those who are navigating the sometimes distressing encounters with local officials. This has been especially important for those new to homeschooling. Despite the uncertainty all around us, together, we can chart an exciting path for the future of homeschooling and America's families, which in turn could expand liberty for all. The unstoppable change brought about by unforeseen events, exacerbated by the growing overreach of the education establishment, and the ameliorating maturity of the homeschooling movement to capture the moment by providing a safe haven for families, all work together to offer real choice and hope to more and more parents. Unstoppable change. I like the sound of that. I'm reminded of the last sentence of the, the last chapter of the last book of the Old Testament. There the prophet Malachi says this, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers. It is our prayer that the present adversity will make us all stronger and more caring, and that, hard as it is, will become a blessing for you and for many and we hope that you and yours will be safe and well, and that your hearts will turn to each other as we hope the same for ourselves. And if we can help you or your friends figure out the many joys of homeschooling, please let us know. Thank you. Mm -hmm.